This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. We will be talking about retail chains, Dollar General and Bloomingdale's exploring new directions, and we'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the latest report on job openings is out today, while the minutes of the most recent meeting of the Fed are due out next hour. And let's break it down with the help of Bob Brusca, the chief economist, fact and opinion economics in New York. So, Bob, let's uh, talk about those numbers and what they mean. Yeah, well, you know, the Jolts report um, comes out after the regular employment report every month, and it's also for data that's uh, actually a month older. So there are some gaps that get filled in by this report, and the thing that people look at um, you know, really is the job openings, and job openings continue to be horrifically large. We're not able to fill them, although in this report there's some slight weakness in hires, um, the quit rates, quit, quit rates settled back, and that's something interesting economists look at. You know, if too many people are quitting their jobs, that's bad. If not enough people are quitting their jobs, that's bad, because then the job market seems like it's locked up. Right now, the quit rates are already pretty high across the country, although they backed off a little bit this month. So the economy is looking solid and strong. There's a little bit of weakness in professional business uh, services hiring, and there's a little bit of weakness in uh, – a lot of weekends, in fact, in construction. The construction sector really looks like it's hampered for hiring. But of that, uh, the other sectors are actually firing on all cylinders. So what does this perpetual problem, it seems, at least currently, with people not applying for jobs, with so many job openings, how long can this continue before it begins to bring other factors in the economy down? Right. Well, um, we know there are a couple of things going on here. We know some people are just flat out afraid of the virus. Uh, and even though we're not in a school period, you know that having, not having kids at school has been another problem. Some parents have had to stay home to take care of their kids, and this has reduced labor supply, particularly it's hit women hard. And then there are those extra unemployment benefits that have made it lucrative for some people to stay home. Now, those benefits have already been phased out in some states. They're only phased out in, in about four states last month. They're going to be phased out in a lot more in the next employment report, and so we'll see how big a factor that was. Um, and, and by September, they're going to be phased out nationally unless they decide to renew them. So, um, you know, if, if it's paying people to stay at home, we're going to see that reverse pretty quickly. If it's the fear of the virus, then um, that could be with us for a while. People seem to be um, unreasonably afraid of this virus. And, you know, you can do things to keep it at bay. You can get vaccinated. You can do things. Once you're vaccinated, you're you're basically protected, but people act like once they're vaccinated, they're still at risk. They still want to wear masks. They still want to distance. They are still afraid, even though the vaccines are tremendously uh, effective. So um, it's a strange situation, but very clearly people seem to be 
driven more by their fears than by the realities and what we know. That's Bob Bruska, the chief economist, fact and opinion economics in New York. Bob, thanks as always for your perspective. Coming up, a discount retailer looks to become a destination for health care. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Dollar General is looking to establish a medical footprint, while Bloomingdale's is experimenting with downsizing. And to talk about those, we're joined by Jan Rogers-Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers-Niffen Worldwide out of New York. So tell me, first of all, about Dollar General's strategy here. Well, you know, if you're Dollar General and you've got uh, like 17,000 locations in the United States and you've got stores within five miles of what more than 75% of the population, anything you can do to get them to come more often, spend more money, like your store better, you should be doing. And since they're starting to build a little bigger store so they can add a little more in fresh foods and things like that, they're also adding more drugs and things to get you to come back more frequently for things other than just uh, lower in food and and general products. So it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Walmart made a big push into um, the drugstore type business years ago, and we know that the dollar stores have been taking market share from drugstores anyway. So this clearly allows them to put some product in the store that that current customer can add to the basket and drive more out of each trip and also get them to come maybe once or twice more over the period of a year. Dan, is there any concern with this that, you know, people think of Dollar General a certain way? And are they going to necessarily perhaps think maybe not as highly about the product lines available at Dollar General, even though they're trying to compete with these other retailers? Well, my concern would be they might start to think Dollar General was too high priced. That's what we've always worried about with the dollar stores. So as you bring in better and more products, sometimes you can get the impression that, see, maybe the store's too expensive. It's not for me anymore. But they've been awfully good at managing their business. So my guess is they'll make this work, and they'll just continue to take share. They've been taking share for years. I think they'll continue to do that. Really, you know, Walmart's on top of them, and they've got the bottom. And so both Walmart and the dollar stores have taken market share from everybody else for quite some time. I think we'll see them actually penetrate grocery store or uh, drug stores more than they have in the past by doing this. I think it'll be a good strategy for them. Now, Bloomingdale's is looking at downsizing a little bit with something, I guess, called Bloomies. What's this all about? I love the idea. They're building a 22,000-square-foot Bloomy store, and normally that would be about 10% of the size of a regular Bloomingdale store, and it's going to be a little trendier, and it's going to have a much more edited selection, but you'll still be able to get things like personal services there. You get tailoring done. You can meet your personal shopper there. So they're doing kind of what Nordstrom has done. They're putting in a bunch of smaller satellite-type stores friendlier to the customer, easier to get to. They don't have to be in the mall. They can be across the street if they want to be. And they'll still add the services, and they'll help drive that online business, which is really what it's all about. Everybody in retailing today thinks they have too many stores, and they're too big. And that would fall in the case of Bloomingdale's. They think their stores are big, and they can do more business online, but they need to support that with a store base because we know that around the store, you do a lot better business with your online, and that's been true for all the major retailers. So I think Bloomingdale's is doing the exact same thing that Macy's, for instance, is doing, their parent company. Macy's is building a 20,000-square-foot Macy's store, which is also about 10% of the size of the normal store, and they're doing it for the same reason. They want to get closer to you, 
have more places for you to touch them and be able to take returns and all the things that you want done, but not have to have a really big footprint to do it. That's Jan Rogers Niffen, the CEO of J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide in New York. Jan, always great to get your perspective. Up next, using credit cards to help spur a return to travel. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The right credit card can offer perks that can help jumpstart your vacation plans. And to help us get through the best choices here, Ted Rossman, the industry analyst at creditcards.com in New York. So how do you pick the right card, Ted? So one big consideration is how you spend your money, because different cards are going to prioritize different categories. Do you want to come up with a good match there? You also want to think about what you want to get out of your rewards. Travel and cash back are the primary types of rewards, although I would throw in a low interest rate if you need to carry a balance. That should definitely be a priority in that instance. And then one other thing is the complexity that you're willing to put up with. Sometimes if you treat this like a game and you research the best deals, you can really maximize every point and mile. Some people, though, would rather keep it simple. So whether that's a cash back card or just a really straightforward travel card, think about that. Uh, Think about your brand loyalty. Do you play the field? Are you loyal to a specific airline or hotel? These are some of the things I would think about. Ted, is there a way to or a process that you should follow instead of just going, oh, well, I'd like to travel or, oh, I'd like cash back or, oh, I'd like a low interest rate? To figure out which one actually is the most beneficial to you money-wise? It's really important to go in with a plan. So, you know, besides the questions and answers that we just mentioned, I also think sometimes it makes sense to work backwards. Like if there's a trip that you definitely want to take, there's a bucket list destination or somewhere that you really want to go for your honeymoon or a vacation, then you can work backwards. So which airlines go there? Which hotels do you want to stay at? What programs will let you transfer to those airlines and hotels? Oftentimes, the transferable programs like Chase Ultimate Rewards and American Express Membership Rewards, they're really desirable because there's built-in diversification. So just like your investment portfolio, you have a lot of different options. You have more than a dozen airlines and hotels that they can transfer to. Look beyond the sign-up bonus, too. You want to consider the long-term value. The sign-up bonus is important, but you also want to establish a long-standing relationship. So make sure the card works for you beyond those first few months. Ted Rossman, an industry analyst with creditcards.com out of New York. Great advice, Ted. Still ahead in Personal Finance Wednesday, how one generation can benefit from the money mistakes of previous ones. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. And these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. A shooting in Chicago this morning leaves a police officer and two federal agents wounded. President Biden is in the area this afternoon for a visit to a suburban community college. On Personal Finance Wednesday, what members of Generation Z can learn from the money mistakes made by millennials. And Visa says cryptocurrency-linked card usage topped a billion dollars in the first half of this year. Right now on Wall Street, the Dow is up 31, the S&P 500 up 9, but the Nasdaq is down 7 points at 1231. 
A Chicago police officer and two agents from the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms were shot this morning on the city's far south side. WBBM's Mike Krauser reports from near the scene in the Morgan Park neighborhood. They were working undercover. According to Police Superintendent David Brown, a male CPD officer and male and female ATF agents in the same car getting on I-57 at 119th Street when they were shot by someone in another car. We don't want to give away exactly what they were doing. They were working in an undercover capacity, so we're limited in what we can say about what they were doing and why they were doing it, but they were fired upon while driving all in the same car trying to enter onto the on-ramp. It was not a marked vehicle, it was, it was an unmarked undercover vehicle. The CPD officer had a graze wound to the back of his head. One ATF agent had a hand wound, the other an arm wound. Nobody is in custody. The car the officers were in was driven a few blocks from the scene to the 22nd District Police Station and was blocked off with red police tape. In Morgan Park, Mike Krauser, News Radio 105.9 FM. President Biden is in the Chicago area this afternoon. The president will be checking out the Workforce Development Plan and Child Care Center at McHenry County College. He'll be in the congressional district of Democratic Representative Lauren Underwood, who narrowly won re-election last year. Biden Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I would see this as less of a uh, political trip, uh, more of, his, of an opportunity to uh, speak to all Americans about uh, why his Build Back Better agenda and uh, why his effort to make to extend the child tax credit, to make community college more affordable, to make universal pre-K a reality is something that uh, many people of all political stripes should be able to support. President Biden won Crystal Lake in 2020 but lost McHenry County by a slim margin. Bernie Tafoya, News Radio, 105.9 FM. You know the Odyssey app not only has nonstop news from WBBM, but now hundreds of new exclusive music stations, including one called Jugger Yacht, featuring music that's melodic. So come sail away with the Odyssey app. It's 1233. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets mixed at this hour, and we're joined by Jack Applin, the Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. So, Jack, what's happening on Wall Street? Yeah, um, we got a little bit of a surprise today, Jim, as uh, interest rates lowered, uh, stocks meandering a bit. Uh, investors mostly waiting for the Fed's minutes that are due to be released this afternoon. And any idea what you think the Fed's going to do in revealing these minutes? Yeah, so uh, for the most part, they've been, you know, um, pre presenting this narrative that uh, the inflation that we're seeing is temporary. A lot of the growth that we're seeing will eventually roll over, and that won't necessarily mean that they have to be as aggressive in raising rates as perhaps uh, the, the the numbers today would suggest. That said, uh, we have to keep in mind that they're keeping interest rates essentially at zero. And they're buying about $120 billion of bonds every month. So that, that second portion, uh, I would argue, and I think they would argue, is really an emergency measure that we don't really need anymore. So my sense is we are going to get some clue as to when they're going to start tapering back that monthly bond purchase, uh, which uh, has done a lot to keep interest rates low. I don't know if we can use a driving analogy here, but is this something where we either let off the gas a little bit or actually put on the brakes in terms of how we deal with this if, in fact, you know, the growth doesn't slow down at some point that 
does you know reduce the threat of inflation. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, the Fed really doesn't want to, you know, I think they want to talk about tapping on the brakes, but they really don't want to tap on the brakes because they, they believe that really one of two things can happen. One, growth and in inflation is much higher than they originally expected, in which case they can always raise rates later, or growth and in inflation is lower than they expect and, um, you know, it would be um, difficult to kind of gin up growth, as we've seen over the last 10 years. So given their history of unsuccessfully getting inflation to rise uh, and their longer history of keeping a lid on inflation, I believe they'd like to see a stronger growth, stronger inflation, uh, what we'll call exit velocity uh, out of this recovery. Uh, and then they'll deal with the, you know, the aftermath later. Jack, anything else we should be keeping an eye on right now? Yeah, so I think for right now, because interest rates aren't compensating us for our cost of of, uh, of living, if you will, the interest negative. It, we actually have interest rates are negative if you subtract the inflation rate from them. Uh, that suggests that you know things like gold would be, at least in the near term, a better way to preserve purchasing power than overnight um, you know, money market funds that are offering zero right now, even though our expenses are rising year over year at 5% if we look over the last 12 months. Jack Ablin, the Chief Investment Officer at Crescent Capital here in Chicago. Thanks, Jack, as always. Up next on Personal Finance Wednesday, trying to prevent money mistakes from being carried from generation to generation. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday, and this afternoon we're talking how one generation can learn from another when it comes to managing money. And we welcome Ed Jertsen, the certified financial planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group here in Chicago. Also the past national president of the Financial Planning Association and his website, engagewealthgroup.com. So if you want more information, that's the place to check it out. So, Ed, I guess we've all learned our lessons as older people that we should have listened probably to our parents when they gave us financial advice. And uh, now we're looking at, uh, you know, the, the younger generation. What can they learn? What should they learn from the mistakes made by millennials? Jim, great to be with you today. I think it's difficult for each generation to kind of look ahead and get that that sort of guidance from the older generation. I mean, any of your listeners who have kids, you try to give them guidance, the eyes roll in their heads because they know everything. And I think first and foremost, bad money advice can set you back not only years, but decades. So learning from those generations in terms of what their mistakes were is very, very helpful. Because again, not too many people will be forthright in terms of their failures. They'll be more than happy to share successes. But again, just looking to get good advice, good money advice from an older generation is very critical. Good advice. I guess one question is, should we be concerned that just because somebody may be more experienced, they may not be giving you the best advice? How do you make sure the advice you're getting is good advice, even if it's, you know, could be, as we say, somebody older who may not have as good advice as you might want? Great question, Jim. It's trust but verify, right? So everything, especially for the younger generation, is online. And what people need to remember is that robo-advice and computers don't empathize, right? So seeking out someone like a certified financial planner who does empathize, who's there to walk side by side with your, with your goals is very helpful because they're there to navigate the successes and challenges on your journey. But ultimately, again, getting one, two, or three pieces of advice, to your point, to corroborate, to make sure that it is good advice, 
advice is always worthwhile. Ed, I'm going to give you the chance to talk to any Gen Zers or younger folks out there. If you could sit them down and say, okay, here's what I need you to do. Here's what you should do to make your financial future as secure as possible. What would you tell them? Well, first and foremost, get started early, right? Don't wait. If you have a job, and especially if the company has a match, let's let's retire the word retirement and look at the word financial independence. So you're not saving for retirement, you're saving for your financial independence, which you don't have to wait to your 60s to necessarily get there. So two things, absolutely start saving today, but most importantly, when it comes to spending, be very diligent with your spending. This is the convenience generation and subscription generation. So you don't have the physicality of spending money, but it's all going through your debit cards and online. So every so often, sit down and kind of do a good vetting of what you're spending to make sure that you understand where those monies are going. And also importantly, with the subscription services, if you're not using those anymore, that 15 to $20 a month can really add up over time. I'm going to flip this a little bit. And, you know, a lot of people think, well, I don't really have enough money to see a financial planner. So I'll wait till I get some money and then I can go see them. You would really love to see people a lot sooner, wouldn't you? Because you can help them a lot more if you got to them sooner rather than I'm retiring in five years help. Yeah. And so this is a great lead up to where the new generation of financial planners, they charge hourly, like on a subscription basis. So you can get involved with a certified financial planner, a younger financial planner on an hourly basis or have a monthly subscription to them. So again, they're there to guide you during your successes and challenges. And so seeking out those professionals who can fit in what you need, because someone who's just entering their workplace, their situation is relatively simple and and straight forward. Again, someone who's getting into Social Security and Medicare, it's more complicated. So again, you don't need a tremendous amount of guidance. You just need someone who's going to walk, again, side by side with you in a way that fits in your budget. Ed Jertsen, the Certified Financial Planner and founder of Engage Wealth Group. And remember, you can get more information by going to engagewealthgroup.com. Join us at this time tomorrow for Technology Thursday and still to come, Cryptocurrency continues to make its way into the financial mainstream. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The CFO of Visa says the company is working to make cryptocurrency more usable and in line with other currencies. And let's talk about the move of crypto into everyday finance with Bill Uliveri, who is the owner of Seneca Capital Management in Glenview. So, Bill, I guess it makes sense that, you know, we talk about, you know, credit cards make it easier for you to buy things in foreign countries because they do the, you know, the the conversion from that currency to our currency. And now that seems to be the same kind of tool that maybe credit card companies like Visa can use to make cryptocurrency much more usable and practical. Yeah, it's very, very exciting. I mean, Visa said uh, that they noticed that there was over a billion dollars worth of cryptocurrency was spent by consumers globally on goods and services. And so to have a credit card that is linked to your cryptocurrency uh, is a a huge, huge win. And actually, you know, for anybody who's traveled overseas or looked at the exchange rates when you buy things overseas with um, your credit card or you landed at Heathrow Airport and used the ATM at, at at the airport, the exchange rates are absolutely rapacious. And so what this will be able to do is allow uh, Visa, MasterCard is partnering up with the Gemini, uh, the the Winkle Voss brothers. This is going to open up a whole new 
a can of worms, and not can of worms, this is a whole new benefit for small business owners and entrepreneurs around the world because they'll be able to get micro loans at around four and a half percent instead of like 14 or 25 percent. Uh, you'll be able to earn an annual rate of return on your balance. So you can earn Bitcoin, you can get payment in Bitcoin and then use it as collateral for a loan. You can use it as collateral to earn interest. So it's a way of wrapping all sorts of financial services up in one card. This is a brilliant, brilliant move by, by Visa and certainly going to be a great move for companies like BlockFi uh, and Circle that are going to help process these payments. So, Bill, it doesn't just make it easier to transact with cryptocurrency, but you may not have any cryptocurrency, but you want to buy something in which they're saying, OK, it's this much crypto. You now have a tool where you can actually go ahead and do that if this works out. Yep. Absolutely. Look at what's going on in El Salvador. Normally, when you have a very high inflation rate, you are incentivized to spend your money as fast as you can because it's going to be worth less every day, every week, every hour that goes by. And here, business owners will be able to make a decision. I'll take enough. I'll, I'll get paid in U.S. dollars for what I need, and I'll take the balance in Bitcoin, and I'll hang on to it. And in addition to that, not only do I own a digital hard money, which is the equivalent of gold, I'm actually built, I'm saving money because my, my time horizon has changed. You'll be able to receive a decent interest in cryptocurrency. They don't pay you in L, you know, they don't pay you in U.S. dollars or in Venezuelan bolivars. They pay you in Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency you're holding. So this is, it's, it's cutting edge, but this is the way we're going. This is a new set of payment rails that are being built as we speak. And it's so, inc what an amazing time to live. All right. A lot of upsides. Any downsides potentially? Downsides potentially. Well, you know, that's a great question. Um, Bitcoin is still a relatively volatile instrument, but compared to some of these other currencies like in Congo and Ethiopia, probably not so bad. It's probably like holding a certificate of deposit. I don't see that much downside because the players are huge. MicroStrategies, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard, the Federal Reserve System's coming up with a, with a FedNow coin pretty soon. So you might hear the bad news and the downside, but truthfully, I, I don't see that much downside here. I really don't, Jim. This is, this is all upside. Even if an individual project fails, the big picture is that this is the way we're going and this is the future. Well, Bill, as you mentioned, it's an exciting time and an interesting time to live in. Bill Uliveri, the owner of Senecal Capital Management in Glenview. His website, by the way, SenecalCapital.com. You'll find past programs and later today a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.